Hey, hey campers. campers! Welcome back to Camp Reality. I'm Serena. And I'm Lana. We have an extra special episode. First of all, we're doing our very first book recap. We're doing Britney Spears, The Woman and Me. Second of all, we have a guest. Everyone welcome Sydney Norman. Yay! Welcome Sydney! (laughs) And the crowd goes wild. (laughs) Exactly. So everyone needs to know we have known Sydney since college. So this is the most beautiful reunion ever. I'm so excited. I didn't even read the book. And I'm still thrilled to be here. <laughs> Serena will be You're throwing in the some, uh, yeah, some, some therapy thoughts and her sure. opinions and all of these great things. Sydney was our um, downstairs neighbor when Serena and I were mm-hmm. roommates. Um, mm-hmm. And she was like also a third roommate to us. She would come up, watch The Bachelor. We would have dinner. It was fabulous. Mm-hmm. It was um, so good. I miss those just- times. I miss it too. So it's nice to have this little like mini reunion to talk oh. about our girl Brit. Um, mm-hmm. I know I have a lot of thoughts on this book. I know Sydney has a lot of thoughts on this book. And um, I have zero. And <laughs> Serena will have thoughts once we start talking. But <laughs> I read this book in one sitting. I powered through and I did six hours um, when it first came out. So I had wow. to remind myself. I went through back through today, flagged some things. I took a lot of notes. Well, yeah, I'm excited. Can't I'm excited. Um, yeah, if I if I didn't have a child, I probably could have finished it in one sitting. Yeah. Y'all, <laughs> this is a mother, a y'all. So, yeah, <laughs> she is taking time out from her busy schedule to chat with us. So we're so happy she's here. Um, and I mean, Serena didn't read the book, and I needed to discuss this book with a fellow fan, and yeah, all the things. Mm-hmm. So with that, I figure we can kind of go through maybe categories is what I call them. Kind of like we do on uh, Bachelor in Paradise because there's it's a 300-page book. So if really? we wanted to do a full recap, we would be here for like five hours. But we will do our best recap and then we'll give yes. some thoughts or critiques or what we want to see in volume two because Brittany did put up a very cryptic Instagram as she is known to do. And she said volume two is coming next year. So we, oh, goodness. I know. I think there's going to be a lot of good things in there. So I figure we can start with her childhood and give like a little recap there just to mm-hmm. set the stage a little bit. Talk about her rise to fame. We'll talk about Justin Timberlake, which Sydney was a big JT fan. So I'm interested to get her thoughts. Oh, I, I I'm embarrassed that you that. remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Of course. A girl never forgets. Um, then we'll talk about 2007. We'll talk about the conservatorship. We will mention it all. Um, but starting with her childhood, she starts the whole book off by actually describing like her family history. And it kind of just sets the stage as to like why her father is the way that he is, like came from a very abusive household and very much generational trauma happening in the mm. first probably 20 pages of this book. Um, wow. But she is from Kentwood, Louisiana, uh, born and raised. She has an older brother, Brian obviously herself and then Miss Jamie Lynn Spears who she does call her 11 year old sister a bitch in this book which I did laugh about guys this is the moment I found out that Britney Spears had an older brother like I didn't even know that until this moment I only knew about Jamie wow I feel like when she was going through the court system I feel like his name was brought up but I mean that was just recently so I would would be the same like I didn't know I didn't really know either he did benefit she 
talks about him here and there, but there's like one major moment that she kind of talks about from childhood with him when he gets in this like ATV accident and he's in like a full body cast. And she says that her mom from then on really favored him out of guilt. Um, And she had this like very intense relationship with him. Like she was like sleeping in his room till she was like 13. Like she wouldn't leave him alone. Like was very protective of him. I know. (laughs) Yeah, she was like uh, really attached to him mm -hmm. after that happened. Yeah, and her mom had to be like, you have to stop. Like it's getting weird, Brittany. I remember reading that. I remember reading that. The line, she goes, my mom goes, you're 13 years old, Brittany. You have to sleep in your own room. And I kind of thought it was like Brittany when she was a lot younger. And I was like, not teenage Brittany. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no girl. Like, this is a little weird. It's weird. (laughs) And how old was he with her? Probably like 15. Like, get out. Um, yeah but she starts in like local dance competitions in the third grade her parents see like some potential in her they see an ad for mickey mouse club auditions um and so her and christina aguilera they try out at eight years old um and they don't make it because they wanted people who were 10 years old so they say like go out get some do some work go audition do all the things and come back when you're when you're 10 um and something i found interesting is britney books an off-broadway show and she's the understudy for natalie portman who like she just is like natalie portman's my friend i had no clue that they even knew each other what a wild connection i know mm-hmm. it was it was super interesting uh she eventually gets the lead of that play but then she like this is the funny thing she like the straw that broke the camel's back for her and she was like i don't want to do this anymore is when she realized that she had to perform on christmas she was like why do people like why do you have to perform on Christmas? I'm out. So she quit. Honestly, yeah, same. I get that. She quit. She's like, I think she's like nine years old. Um, and she goes back to Louisiana. And this was the part that I was like, huh? She goes back to Louisiana. And she's like, I got a job waitressing at nine at like this crawfish place. I'm like, wait, what? Excuse? <laughs> so I got like a little lost, especially when she was talking about her childhood, because I felt like it was jumping timelines yeah she doesn't get a good point of reference for a lot of these things no like you you, again like I feel like she if I remember correctly she talked about the accident about her brother before she talked about going to Broadway and the accident yeah with her brother happened when she was 13 and the next thing you know you're reading about when she was nine and you're like yeah wait a minute like (laughs) it's very chaotic I will say like and I was gonna say my critique for the end, but one of my biggest pieces of like issues with this book, and I love Britney, okay? I'm in a Britney Spears shirt. She was, yeah, it was my Baby One More Time. Britney. Baby One More Time was my first album. I remember going to the FYE, the music store, and buying a CD. Love her. Um, but she does this thing through this book where she kind of like drops these weird bombs and does not explain them. It'll just she'll just drop them and we'll be like, What? Can you explain why you're a waitress at nine and like helping your family with the bills at nine years old? Like child labor laws? We don't know. Um, but she does it throughout. She'll do it again. Um, she does it one of the biggest times she talks about, like when she's 16, she's like, Oh, and then I went on Prozac. Doesn't explain to us why she was on Prozac, doesn't explain <laughs> us, like explain to us if when she got off of it. She just went on it. Like so yeah. she just thinks like that um that's one of my biggest critiques is is like and we'll notice that as we go through we're like okay well more on that please like can you elaborate um but so becomes the waitress at nine i wrote in here and talking about kind of the media attention and like the sexualizing of her it started at a young age she talks about when she's 10 years old she goes on star search and you can find this video um where you can like hear her natural voice even when she was a little girl it wasn't the baby voice that we know it was 
much deeper and i don't know it was very good i loved it um but she goes on that show and the host is creepy as hell and he asks her 10 years old like well do you have a boyfriend and she's like no i don't like boys like i don't have time for that and he's like well what about me (laughs) i'm just like what and that has come up a few times like as these kind of early 2000s stars are coming out with like their memoirs i read jessica simpson's as well she was also hypersexualized at a young age ew Mm -hmm. so gross um and that is that is like a thread that is weaved throughout her story as well is just like the media abuse and like people laughing at her um throughout her life so and then at 10 later she books mickey mouse club with carrie russell ryan gosling christina aguilera and justin timberlake and this is where she like meets him um the start um one day as she calls him throughout the book and she i will say like absolutely love justin to pieces like she doesn't talk about any other man the way that she talks about justin timberlake in this book even her like at the time her current husband now they're not together but Mm. she doesn't talk about sam that way she doesn't talk about kevin the way that she talks about justin like she deeply deeply loved him um one weird thing, another one of the little bombs that she just drops for us, um, I flagged it in my book, was when she started drinking with her mother at 13, okay? Oh my gosh. Um, and her well, mom- This might explain the Prozac by 16. Yes. So she talks about uh, some of my best times with my mom were those trips we took to the beach with my sister. As we drive, I'd sip on a little white Russian to make, uh, to me, the drink tasted like ice cream. When it had the perfect amount of shaved ice and cream and sugar and not too much alcohol. That was my piece of heaven. Um, later, she talks about, I think in here, she talks about like more Ew. drinking with her mom. We'd go to this Bilo- Biloxi drink, go to the beach, come back happy. We'd have so much fun. We had a lot of fun. Amidst all the darkness, there was still a lot of joy in my childhood. I'm just like, you're talking about drinking with your mom at 13 years And that's old. the joy. And that's the joy. But what's even crazier was at one point, right she talks about how she was driving and her mom was like wait it smells like cigarettes were you smoking and her mom got mad at her like yeah and got like yelled at her and it made Brittany like crash the car like she wrecked the car that she was driving because her mom was mad that she like was smoking cigarettes and she was like i was relieved after we crashed because my mom forgot about the smoking i'm like "Ah." the crazy part about you were drinking alcohol with your mom yeah the crazy part about lynn spears is later in like during the 2007 years 2008 kind of her like really tough dark times her mom was out here trying to write a parenting book and i'm just like no ma'am no that's so upsetting so her dad for serena's who didn't read her dad is a severe alcoholic um Mm -hmm. she talks in here about like i had maybe i flagged it but like i had a simple wish it was that my dad would stop drinking my mom would stop screaming like they were such a toxic couple and her whole life she pretty much just bankrolled this family even when she was working as a waitress at this crawfish place at nine years old she was always kind of paying the bills um so yeah that's what i have for her kind of childhood sydney do you have anything else that was like stood out to you that i may have missed um you know the whole like her drinking i mean you did just talk about it but the whole her like story that she talked about drinking with her mom at 13 years old just blew my mind and because the way her writing style is and do we know like did she have a ghostwriter or did she do this herself 
Yeah, she mentions on the last page, she talks about her collaborators and she says, thank you to the team who worked so hard to help me bring my memoir into the world, including da-da-da-da-da. Then she says, my collaborators, you know who you are. So I think she probably sat down for like hours and hours of interviews and then like helped write this book. Yeah. Well, whoever they are, clearly I wrote in the style that I feel like Britney speaks in, like it really Mm -hmm. did sound like it was her just kind of that ADD chaotic jumping around because that whole mess about like talking about her brother and his accident, you kind of like read it and you're like, wait a minute, like, what did you just say? Like, (laughs) and like her drinking with her mom, I I don't know. I just couldn't get over the fact that literally she talks about drinking with her mom in the car. Like she would like her mom yes. would be driving, Brittany would be in the back seat of the car drinking her white Russian. But then later when she's driving, underage, she wasn't like legally able to drive, I feel like, if I remember correctly. No. And then her mom's like, Wait, were you smoking in the car? It smells like cigarettes. Caused Brittany to crash because she was so mad. But then yet it's like perfectly fine for her to drink alcohol with her mom underage. Like it just yeah. doesn't make any sense. No, it and is. And I'm not so saying like, like that on like on Brittany, I'm just saying like her parents, no. like, no wonder. She is it doesn't, she is. it doesn't make any sense. Part of like another my other thought, and I'd love to hear if you thought the same thing, is I think it's clear that this book was highly edited. There is like missing information. Like, <laughs> like I feel like this book could have been so much longer. And part of it, I will give it to Brittany's credit. She's in so many legal battles with her father and her family that I think there's a lot that she can't say yet because I was mm. expecting more on Lou Taylor. I was expecting more on like just more information like like i said earlier she kind of drops these little like nuggets of truth and then does not elaborate on them and i just wonder if she can't yet or if they were edited out i don't know that's a good point because it definitely as you're reading it you're definitely like "Mm -hmm, something was redacted here like it's yes i'm telling you i'm like definitely i can like see where like the black marks were like redacted on like whatever whatever was happening can't say that take it out I wish she had written the book that way, where she just like was redacted. That would be so amazing. And then volume two is just like unredacting like all of the things. That's that she what I like. If she could do volume two, just re-release this plus volume two, I would reread the whole thing to be like fill in the gaps for me, Brittany, because there's some missing. Yeah. Um, and of course, a lot of people online are like, she didn't write this book for us. She wrote it for her. I'm like, she wrote it for both of us. Okay, she wrote mm-hmm. it to explain what the hell's going on in her story, and she wrote it as a healing. Like you can tell yeah, that she's like. like trying to heal through this if she wrote it just for her she wouldn't have released it and exactly like, what are we talking it, about people what are we talking about here um so yeah so the next section is kind of her rise to fame because she does get very famous at like 16 years old so what really happens is yeah again what's up with the prozac we don't i did math and that would have been 1997 which the 90s is when prozac like became popular but, yeah. like, again, she's 16, she's underage. Like, the understanding of mental health in the 90s is almost unheard of. So I'm, like, yeah. mm-hmm. very unsure who would have given it to her, what the protocols would have been. I would have loved to know. I know. Like, That's did that girl go to therapy? I was going to say, like, I'm glad you're on this call because, like, I don't know anything about Prozac. I'm, like, is it hard to get prescribed as a child? Yeah. Like, the yeah, 90s I mean, were wild, in the 90s, it's a different world, I can't say. You know, unfortunately, yeah. I was born in 1994. So I <laughs> three. was three years old when this happened. <laughs> My therapy knowledge does not go back that far. But like, nowadays, Prozac is still used. Like, it's a very common antidepressant yeah. and sometimes for anxiety. But like, to be prescribed Prozac 
at the at 16 nowadays takes like a couple of doctor visits, some scales, yeah. like there's a little bit. Some doctors are even more conservative and like ask that you're going to therapy. Those are the doctors I like, shout out. Um, but like for her to just get thrown on Prozac, like it's also when did she go off of it? Did she ever I know. she has one sentence in there? She's like, at 16, I went on Prozac, and that is it. Wild. I just I have so many questions. Um mm-hmm. But so kind of her rise to fame here. She's no longer doing the Mickey Mouse Club. She like outgrew it, whatever. Um, and she just starts auditioning a ton. And this is when her mom runs into or, or learns about uh, Larry Rudolph. Randolph? Rudolph. Who is her like business manager eventually, like her manager. Um, and so she records a demo and he starts just like sending it to people. Executives in New York love it. They bring her in. She gets a record deal at 15 years old with Jive Records. Um, and that's when she, and this is crazy again, she moves to New York City with no parents because they're back in Louisiana with the brother and the sister. And she moves with her assistant, Felicia. What? And if you have seen, I think it's the original documentary that came out that like sparked them all. It was like the New York Times one that was on hmm. Hulu. You'll know who Felicia is. She is interviewed um, all throughout that documentary. Um, yeah, and she she's pretty, a lot in that one. She's pretty much her her guardian. And she's like maybe 20-something years old at this time. Brittany is 15, like I said. So we've got no real like parental <laughs> guidance or figures here. I mean, um, the way you describe those parents, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah honestly, based on the parents that she has. <laughs> yeah. Felicia is very sweet. If you watch the documentary, you're like, oh my gosh. And they, she calls her like Miss Fee. And she's just kind of like her person at the time. Um, and then the the label actually comes up with the concept for like for the baby one more time video and it's like space themed and she's like no i don't want to do it and so she kind of like creative directs the whole thing she's the one who has the idea for you know i want it to be like my friends and i in school i think that'd be really fun like she is she is very talented just with her vision the choreography i mean iconic but wait um, if she moves to new york at 15 is she going to school like what's the school situation there she doesn't talk about school she does not talk about the school which is very interesting to me um and i have a tab in here about something i wrote so it's myself. like it remind she... me i feel like at this point her parents were separated right yes her parents okay. have a very weird marriage they get they separated they get back together sometimes and i think now mm-hmm. they are separated again in 2023 maybe who knows? Um, yeah. It's a lot to keep up with. But she says, before the video came out, not a lot of people knew what I looked like because she was just doing like mall tours and on the radio. Um, mm-hmm. But by the end of September, the song was on the radio. I was 16. When on October 23rd, 1998, the Baby One More Time single hit stores. The next month, the video premiered and suddenly I was getting recognized everywhere I went. Um, on January 12th, 1999, the album came out and sold over 10 million copies very quickly. I debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart in the U.S. I became the first woman to debut a number one single and album at the same time. Wow. Which is wild. She's 16 years old. <laughs> so. And like she's over here just like, I'll pretend to be in school for a day with this music video. Yeah, we <laughs> the schooling is a great point. I hadn't thought about it. We don't know if there's tutors on these sets. We don't know if she's going to like high school. She does kind of talk about like she does talk about like playing basketball in high school a little bit. She calls it like I played ball. Um and like being a little bit of like a tomboy is, is how she describes herself. So, I think there's school sprinkled throughout, but it is very confusing cuz she's living in New York City at the time. So, mm. unclear. Again, there are some some plot holes. <laughs> Um, I'm on a people. I'm on a people article that sub- said that she enrolled in a professional performing arts school in New York. Okay, 
Yeah. But they also claim that her mother was there and her younger sister. So I don't know. Oh, so her mom and younger sister went with her in the beginning Mm. and then they left. They were like, okay, you're fine. Like, and then the mom and um, Jamie Lynn left. Gotcha. And like got her, set her up in an apartment. Mm. Yeah. And that's when Felicia comes in and is like basically her guardian. Um, Mm -hmm. So Baby One More Time totally takes off. Then she starts touring with NSYNC. So she meets back up with Justin at this time. She had been talking to him throughout, but then like went on tour. I think she was like their opener. Um, and then she – and this is like – if you know the audiobook is is uh, – it's narrated by Michelle Williams, which is a very interesting choice. Why the um, choice? And this section kind of went viral with her reading um, – JT doing like a black scent pretty much. Um she she basically says that like Backstreet Boys does like white people music and then NSYNC like hung out I'll read it. NSYNC hung out with black artists. Sometimes I thought they tried too hard to fit in. One day Jay and I were in New York going to parts of town I had never been to before. Walking our way with a guy uh was a guy with a huge blinged out medallion. He was flanked by two giant security guards. Jay got all excited and said so loud oh yeah for shiz for shiz jangy wine what up homie <laughs> no, you gotta read so it how it's written there was like oh. there's like six easy Jingy wine. oh yeah Jingy okay i'll read it how it's written it's literally like jangy wine there's like 10 <laughs> eyes in it what up homie and then it says after jangy wine walked away felicia did an impression of jay oh yeah for shiz for shiz jangy wine <laughs> Jay wasn't Jay wasn't even embarrassed. He just took it and looked at her like, okay, fuck you, Fee. <laughs> Wait, how old is Justin Timberlake in this story, roughly? I uh again, she like doesn't give us many ages here. <laughs> gotcha. But then it, she also says that was the trip where he got his first necklace, a big T for Timberlake. He basically <laughs> got like a blinged out T. <laughs> wow. Um, but they're young here because she talks about their relationship like we'll get to the abortion in a second and i think she's like 20 years old at that time so so they're young she's she is a young adult at this time um he's a little bit older than her mm -hmm. so i would say probably at that time he was he was if she was like 16 17 he might have been 19 20 yeah a little bit older than her um I know it was embarrassing. Um, I'm trying to find the page that I was like, oh my gosh, because I loved her obsession with Mariah Carey that she just kind of throws in here. Um, let me see. Oh, wait, do I have that written down? Page 59. Let me find it. Oh my gosh, it's we're only it. on page 59. This is going to be the Don't longest worry. podcast ever. I'm 23 minutes in we're good um so she talks about like she's at the the mtv like video music awards and she's up for like a million awards like she's like a main person for the event but she is still a fangirl and she never refers to mariah as mariah she says you have to say mariah carey that's a respect mm-hmm. on her name <laughs> which i love um she says i knocked on mariah carey's dressing room door she opened it and poured out the most beautiful out otherworldly light you know how we how we all have ring lights now well more than 20 years ago only mariah carey knew about ring lights and no i can't say i can't just say her first name to me she will always be mariah carey she talks about that they take like a selfie together um and she's like but you have to get my good side like mariah is being mariah and like demanding which side britney stand on um but she pretty much just like loves her and i thought it was a cute little fangirl moment that i had to mention that's cute you know um 
other things in here. She performs. I think this is crazy too. More about the media. Um, so she performs Oops, I Did It Again, which is a very iconic performance. She's in the like sheer, totally bedazzled, like tiny crop top and very low rise pants. Um, she has that iconic performance and makes MTV so much money. So many people were watching the VMAs back then when they were very relevant. Um, but they just like always did her dirty. So they made her come into like MTV mtv studios like in Times square they made her watch they took a video basically people getting reactions to her and like tell us your opinion of her and they made her sit there and like watch while people just like criticized her and like tore her apart and said she was like corrupting the youth of america um, and that she was like basically slutty like that and she's super young mm-hmm. at the time probably 18 years old again it's very confusing with the ages but she's very young um and i feel like it was insane this woman's making you so much money and they just they just do her dirty that's like the only way I can put it. I hate that. Yeah, I know. It, it was that was like honestly kind of like I started cringing as I was reading it because she's talking about how she's like sitting there watching this like video of these people like talking shit about her, and she just has to sit there and they're filming her reaction, and so she's like in her mind thinking like, okay, well they're filming me, so I'm just trying to sit here and smile and like think yeah. it's funny, haha, like. I'll just laugh along with them. <laughs> like, truly, what is the appropriate reaction in that moment? I know. And then they, one of them asks her, like, what do you, how do you feel, like, about them saying that you're, like, corrupting, like, corrupting the youth? And she's like, I'm not their parents. Like, I'm not yeah. in charge of, like, these kids. Yeah. Like, I love that. Like, she's like, I didn't sign up to be a role model, okay? I'm doing what I'd yeah. love to do. I'm perform. I'm a performer. Like, um, and anybody who says that Brittany isn't a talented performer. I don't know. Do you have eyes? Like, she's incredible. Um, and this was really her prime. She's killing it. She's performing the halftime show with Aerosmith and NSYNC, which you can watch that on YouTube. It's an incredible performance. Um, she's also performing with Michael Jackson at the time. She does the VMA performance with the snake. She does I'm a Slave for You. Mm. Very iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her Pepsi commercials, which I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, when we had like all of the queens, like Beyonce was in one. We had Pink in one. We had her great pepsi commercials amazing and then she is in crossroads and that's like the one and only time that she acts and she kind of talks about like how she basically became a method actor for this like dumb mtv movie and <laughs> serena fun fact shonda rhimes wrote <gasps> crossroads by that. i had no idea <laughs> i had now no I idea to I was, watch it i know i was like what um you've never seen it no that's a great that's like it's you should watch it i got it Guys, I grew up in a very conservative home where I wasn't even allowed to watch MTV. So again, I can't give a lot to this podcast. <laughs> um, but she basically is like, she like became the character of Lucy, who's like the girl she plays. And she like was walking differently. And people were like, what is going on with you? Like not being yourself. And she just, she describes one time that she's just like, this went on for like months she describes when she like finally came out of this like phase of method acting after the movie wrapped. She was like in a CVS buying makeup, relatable queen, and she's like, "It was like otherworldly. Like, I just like popped out of it." <laughs> what? Okay. Also, like, yeah, girl, it wasn't that deep. So, like, I don't understand how she was acting any different. I don't understand because she literally was like playing a pretty much a version of herself. It was like she's like a super innocent girl, which is like how the media was trying to portray her, and then like was like became like 
sexy and singing like I love rock and roll. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not that deep of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then talk about how she's offered kind of other roles and she's like, I can't. And one of those roles, and I feel like now that that clip is like kind of going viral on TikTok. One of those roles is for the notebook that eventually went to Rachel McAdams. Uh, but oh. she was like, I couldn't take that role because I couldn't be acting like a 1940s heiress for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> And if you do watch the clip of her acting with Ryan Gosling, she good. It was good. Can you imagine what that movie would have been? I know how, how different it would have been. That would have been great. Shocking. Um, she's offered like a super dark role and she's like, I can't take it because I like, it's a dark, dark role. I would be crazy. Like, I can't do it. Um, which I thought was super fascinating. So she's like, I kind of regret not acting again, but she just did that one and done movie. Um, huh. Back to her and Justin Timberlake. So she talks about how he is like kind of always cheating on her um like seven or eight times he's like cheating on her oh my gosh and i know and she's like just like hopelessly in love with him um and she like, like kind of gets back at him by like kissing their choreographer Ew. that was not cheating if you're gonna pick anyone is it really the choreographer like no Okay. I know it, it was wild, but here we'll get into kind of the dark, the dark part. Um, she talks about how, again, I wish that she gave us some ages here because we don't know how old she is. Um, but she gets pregnant. She basically says that Justin is not ready to be a father. Um, she says, I don't know if it was the right decision. If it had been left up to me alone, I would have never done it. And yet Justin was so sure that he didn't want to be a father. We also decided on something that in retrospect wound up being, in my view, wrong. And that was that I should not go to a doctor or a hospital to have the abortion. It was important that no one find out about the pregnancy or the abortion, which meant we were doing everything at home. So they like get some pills. She takes them. And then she's like on the bathroom floor with Justin and Felicia having this abortion. And it's very traumatic. Um, She says it's like, she says, when I tell you it was painful, I can't describe the pain. The pain was unbelievable i went down uh down to the ground on my knees holding the toilet for a long time i couldn't move to this day it's one of the most agonizing things i've I've ever experienced in my life still they didn't take me to the hospital just this is wild okay justin came into the bathroom um and lay on the floor with me at some point he thought maybe music would help so he got his guitar and he lay there with me strumming it i can't make that up i just pictured Ah! Like from the Barbie movie when they're all sitting on the beach and the guys are playing guitar. I was like, that's what I picked. Yes, I want to push like, you around. Like, <laughs> yes, that is all I thought about too. I was like, I'm sorry. Um, you're like, let me make it about me in this moment. Let me go pull up my guitar and just sing you my like new song. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like, this is horrible and disgusting. And like, my brain. Like, I even like read this in the articles, and I'm still having a hard time processing it. But, like, I also just need to know what the song was. I know. Is that bad to say out loud? Can I say that out loud? Like, what song do you pick in that moment, Justin Timberlake? I don't know. She says he was strumming it, so who knows if he was singing. But she says, after that, I was messed up for a while, especially because I still did love Justin so much. It was insane how much I loved him. And for me, it was unfortunate. I should have seen the breakup coming, but I didn't. Yeah. Oh, my god. he breaks up with her with the text message while she is Mm -hmm. making a music video. What? <laughs> this is awful to hear for the first time. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. It's good to it have you like, for reaction. It was really sad, too, even when she talks about the cheating, because she, she clearly knows about it, but she writes, but I was just so in love with him mm-hmm. that I was just willing to just basically ignore it. 
Y'all, yeah. that is not love. That is so upsetting. I know. It's so toxic. Um, she talks about kind of in the next chapter about him breaking up with her. She says, for as much as Justin hurt me, uh, there was a huge foundation of love. And when he left me, I was devastated. When I say devastated, I mean, I could barely speak for months. Whenever anyone asked me about him, all I could do was cry. I don't know if I was clinically in shock, but it felt that way. Um, something that is also wild that Justin did is on the very next page. So he dumps her. Then he said, she says, Justin flew out to Louisiana to visit me. He brought me a long letter he'd written and framed, which is a wild choice for me. Um, I still have it under my bed. And at the end, it said, it makes me want to cry to think about it. I can't breathe without you. Those are the last words in it. This man is so narcissistic. He wrote a letter, framed it. He broke up with her. He broke up with her. Yeah. And yet, Imagine showing up with a framed letter and she still has it under her bed. Brittany, y'all, honestly, buying a frame is so hard anyways. Like the level, like the amount of steps that took to get that on a plane. And honestly, and when she writes about him in the book, <laughs> yes, she's upset, but she still talks about him like, like, like she loves him almost in a way. Cause, cause she talks about how yes, when people. Yes, I think she always will like would ask him about their relationship and he basically basically gave it away that like they had sex and everyone was like oh my gosh like Brittany you're not a virgin what do you mean mm-hmm. and she literally says she's like I like appreciate Justin for saying that because everyone always viewed me as like this like virgin purity girl but like he really like told them who I really was after they had broken up like she still was like thank you yes yeah, she said she was grateful to him for doing that because she didn't have to come out as a eternal virgin because her management team painted her as, which is hilarious to me, they painted her as this, like, virgin queen Um, when she was, like, she says, I was having, which is also sad, she said, but I have been having sex since I was 14. Yeah. She just says that randomly, too. We're like, <laughs> That's a lot. It is a lot. And I think, like, the theme here is, like, everybody and so many people in Britney's life have failed her and continue to fail her and she just has not found someone maybe paris hilton she does i love paris and gets her shout out but she really hasn't found like a steady person a steady like relationship in her life i will say did she speak any into why management tried to sell her as a virgin Mm -hmm. i don't know she really didn't say like why it's a good wild choice like for justice yeah. simpson it made sense she was like a preacher's daughter it was like this whole mm-hmm. thing but like for britney spears like why was that the narrative to it was like with? a lot of media attention around like i mean she talks about like people were asking her when she was like 17 or 18 like are your boobs real mm-hmm. um like oh, people gosh. were so fascinated by her it's so bizarre and gross and just like maybe was... we should just not talk about the sexual activities of a 17 year old if she's having them or not media i know what a thought gross. She and at the time it was like I feel like people and people maybe still think this today. It's like if you're a celebrity, you aren't owed any privacy. And I'm like, what the hell? Of course you're owed privacy. You're a human being. I hate that. Um, and for Britney, and she talks about this later in the book, like there was a time where I think she was keeping, you know, those tabloids in business because before social media, people were paying so much money for her photos right. and you know doing these like non news stories, news stories about her, like Britney's leaving this, blah blah blah. Like you know, she was just it was insane. Um. But he breaks up with her. He releases his solo album. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Justified as his solo album. I can't remember the name of it. And Cry Me a River comes out. And in Cry Me a River, in the music video, the woman is like Britney's clone. And she's shown like cheating on him. Uh, note, 
he did all the cheating. She did not cheat on him. Um, but she was so deeply hurt by that, that he would do that. Um, literally this one, this part is crazy. And I like, it's another random like bomb that she throws in there that I'm like, excuse me. She's devastated about the breakup. She d- goes to like, kind of get her mind off of it with Colin Farrell <laughs> of all people. <laughs> She and I wrote it down because it was crazy. Um, she like has an interest. She just shows up to like this movie shoot, and the director's like, "Oh my god, Britney Spears is here!" Like, and she sits like behind the camera while he's like doing this whatever shot. And she describes their they have a she describes it as a yep. two week brawl. That's my favorite part. Um, <laughs> and she's she's like, I wrote I put the let's see what page was it on because I kind of have to read it because it's just like Did the we- way that. She- Again, do we have any understanding of how old she was at this point? Yeah. Um, early 20s. I'll Google. Early 20s? I'll Google she while you read. She says, where does she talk about the brawl? Because she's like, there's no other way to describe yeah, it. She's like, we couldn't um, keep our hands off each other. Let's see. <laughs> Maybe that's what she says. Yeah. I'm just like, ew. Oh he asked her, like, do you have any pointers for me? Like, while she's sitting behind the director's chair. Um. But yeah, pretty much like we had a brawl, couldn't keep our hands off each other, and that is all she says about that relationship. But like she <laughs> goes with him to okay, the premiere so... of the movie within that two week period and met his entire family. Yes, she yes, was, was roughly so twenty four at the time. Okay. If I'm doing my math correct, it was around two thousand and three, so and she was born in eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How old um, is Colin Farrell? I gotta yeah. know. Sorry, I guys. I think he was older than her for sure. No, look it up. I'm looking. Um, but while you're looking that up, she does an interview with Diane Sawyer, and it is so hard to watch. You can also look it up on YouTube, guys. Um, and Diane Sawyer just kind of like makes her sit there while she like kind of berates her with questions. She's like, you know, Justin Timberlake's like America's golden boy. Like, how does it feel to break his heart? What did you do to him? And just painting her as this like whore. Um, and she's like just crying. And she's again, and Sydney said it best, like she's so in love with him that she will not say, like, he's the cheater. Like, she just never she never says yeah. anything negative about him publicly. Um, kind of before this book. And even in this book, I still feel like she's kind of protecting him. She really probably could have gone in much more about his like mistreatment of her. Um wild choice. Um, Colin Farrell uh, was 27. Uh, okay. That's not weird. Years older than her. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fine. But she did just show up out of nowhere, which is wild to me. Um, so now we're kind of getting into like the Kevin Fetter line of it all, um, which is just, I don't know why. She meets him at a club um, and she kind of talks about like how he holds, holds her and like, in the she says it's like beyond sexual. It's like, yes, he like held her in a pool for like hours. I'm like, I don't know what's happening there. Um, but she gets pregnant back to back pretty much with her sons that she has. Um, but this is when things like no, Lottie, you need to elaborate really on that. Don't start just say to get rocky. back to back, okay? Like no, I'm not Sydney, okay. are you okay? <laughs> the faces she's she, making. She like popped she up had, this baby and it was like I don't think it she was, had it was her less than six first weeks, right? Son Sean. He's three months old. She finds out she's pregnant again. That's what it was yeah that alone oh my god like no wonder she shaved her head like you would have had to put me in an insane asylum like <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not <laughs> yeah as the as the only woman on this podcast who has birthed a child can you tell us just a little bit like how wild is that um, like, truly 
I'm like I'm like I I yes like I'm being silly and funny but like I'm also like being dead serious like it could not be me like couldn't be me like <laughs> Jack is almost a year and I'm not even close to thinking about number two not even like you're so not yourself your body is not itself like and then to just all of a sudden have this three-month-old baby like that's not even sleeping through the night and Mm -hmm. then you're pregnant again so then you're having to hold a baby with a belly while dodging the paparazzi yeah I can't she and these are the photos that I think are the saddest if you've seen them where she's like sitting in a restaurant and she's just she's just sitting there sobbing but she's holding her baby and she's very pregnant in the photo and she's just crying like leave me alone like she cannot get a moment of peace um and Mm. it's sad because this is when things like really start to get rocky for her um Kevin starts his music career and I put career in air quotes but she at a pool club they met in a club like she doesn't get much detail Yes, um, but she met in a club. But she is funding this career, and in the middle of all this, again, baby on the hip, very pregnant, for some reason, and she doesn't, I w- this is another moment where I'm like, Brittany, give us more detail. For some reason, he doesn't allow her to, like, come to the sets of his music videos or, like, come to the studio. So she's, like, he's just kind of, like, dodging her the whole time, and it's weird. They're, like, I think she's, like, 25 at this point. So, like Sydney's describing, this woman's, like, hormonal state she's not okay her like new what I mean, I th- if she's she may 25 have been her brain might yeah. not even be fully formed that prefrontal yes. cortex is just now finishing up yeah she gets married to him at some point in here um which is wild so she's like fresh in a marriage with the whole baby situation happening not being allowed um to to like come in and be part of kevin's thing whatever kevin is doing um when the second baby is born she like says like i struggled with postpartum anxiety and depression she didn't let her mom hold the baby for like two months she was just like very nervous about their safety at all times which i could imagine was uh, is a hundred times worse than like a regular mom because there's not like Mm -hmm. cars chasing you down a road while you have like a newborn and like a one-year-old maybe at this time um but i think like the wild part of this is during this time she's writing and kind of recording blackout which many people say is and she is the most proud of is her best album so like while she is in all this turmoil she is like absolutely creating like her best art in her opinion in my opinion it's a very good album um throughout all of this she also files for divorce this is like a short time too it's a couple of years Um, they were married between 2004 and 2007 yeah. So and all also this she was married time. to someone else in 2004. She was married for yeah, like 55 hours to this guy. And she talks about it for a second in here, but it was like such a blip that I didn't even mention it. Named She's married Jason. to him. Yeah. Named Jason in Vegas. And she was like, it was, I was drunk. It was never serious, but her, that's when her family was like, Oh my God. Um, like, but like also time. like Colin Farrell was in 2003. Yeah. The timelines are crazy. She's married to someone else in 2004. They're divorced. And then she's mm-hmm. married to Kevin Federline in 2004. Well, she gets annulled because that that marriage to Jason oh, annulled. Really lasts. Right. She gets an annulled for like, literally they're married for like, like two, two days. days. <laughs> um, and she was but like. It, but again, that's a, that's a lot to fit into yes. 2004. Mind you, we were, I was 10 at the time. Like, that's a lot. Six hours because it is like, <laughs> you're just like in a whirlwind and you have to finish it. Cause you're like, whoa. Um. So it's very weird. Also, we this is when the whole, like, they start keeping her kids from her. So 
she files for divorce and they basically tell her like you'll look dumb if you like divorces you you got to divorce him first so she files Mm. for divorce and then he wants full custody so during all this custody back and forth he is basically like keeping her newborn like child from her and her other child and so she's just like she's 26 and she is 26 at this time and i so like reading all of that i think we'll right now we'll get into the 2007 and the kind of the breakdowns but she just like i think part of the one of the hardest parts is that she was just called an unfit mother so many times and that she was stupid and that she was just like uh, so many labels were put on her and she is like and we'll talk about it she is so devoted to her children she says in here that she put up with all the shit in the conservatorship because her children were used as a bargaining chip like you can go on vacation with them if you do this too we're like she would trade she would work her ass off and do all of these things and pay everybody else mm-hmm. so then she could have like a nap with her with her baby like it's so sad to me um and so like i did have a lot of empathy for her throughout this especially this section and as a mother i'm sure you too it's just like i couldn't imagine someone just taking yeah, a and child from also too i mean he he was what the one quote unquote trying to make his music career and was on these sets for music videos and like smoking weed all the time and what was she doing just sitting at home like so I yeah to say that she was like the unfit one is kind of mind-blowing um but yeah it once I know like she really starts talking about the conservatorship it was like really sad because her dad really did use the kids against her like it was like her ex was using them against her and then also her dad and it was like every like literally everyone was trying to take her kids from her and like she even talked about at one point yeah. she goes to finally, his house or to his set of a music video and like paparazzi are taking pictures of her and she's of course like making a scene because he won't let her in to see her kids like yeah I mean of mm-hmm. course she's going crazy like of course she's like trying to bang down that door yeah. like kick it in so she could go see her kids like come hell or hot water like she's gonna get those kids she's gonna do anything she can to, like to get to her babies like and then to paint her as like this crazy lunatic yeah. is kind of I don't know it's it's beyond me I know it's so wrong. Um, it's so sad. Um, let's get into 2007 and kind of where we go through the dark years here. So she talks about, and I feel like this is no surprise to anybody. She talks about the head shaving um, moment. And she says, shaving my head was a way of saying to the world, fuck you. Which, like, I get it. Um, <laughs> you want me to be pretty for you? Fuck you. You want me to be a good good girl for you? Fuck you. You want me to be your dream girl? Fuck you. I've been the good girl for years. I'd smiled politely while TV shows hosts leered at my breasts while American parents said I was destroying their children by wearing a crop top while executives patted my hand condescendingly and second-guessed my career choices even though I'd sold millions of records while my family acted like I was evil and I was tired of it. And that is something she talks about is that throughout the conservatorship and a lot of her life, she's like, I do think my parents were trying to kill me. Like, I do think they were just working me until I was going to die. Which is, I mean, what? Mind-blowing. Someone's saying yeah. to me. So sad. Mind-blowing. She later gets into kind of the incident with the umbrella um, where she's, this So this is post-head shave. She's in a dark place. She's struggling with postpartum depression. She's not allowed to see her kids. She's getting gas with a friend. And the paparazzi, I mean, at this time especially, were so aggressive. So they're just, like, banging on her window and, like, asking her, like, why'd you shave your head? Like, where are your kids? How come you did blah? Like, they're just, like, so antagonizing to her. And finally, she just, she says, like, I snapped. And she's like, and I grabbed the umbrella, which, like, what damage am I going to do with an umbrella? She's like, and I hit their car with an umbrella. Um, And 
that shitty paparazzi he's in one of the documentaries and says like that was a bad day for her but that was an excellent day for me because he got so much money from those photos Mm -hmm. um that is so gross while she was just spiraling and having like an absolute mental breakdown um and they this is the first time that they send her to rehab to like basically like you got to go to rehab to get your kids back and it wasn't really for a drug issue it was for like they said like she said it wasn't really for a drug issue. It was for like my anger and my grief problems. Um, and I, she never talks about therapy being positive in her life of like when she's in kind of these treatment facilities, if she was, if she had ever a positive experience, she never really describes it as that. Um, mm. But that is the first time. And then she gets pressured to do, to perform, give me more on the VMAs um, to like show the world that she's fine. And this was not very long after all of this break, these breakdowns. Um, and she says, I was not fine. But she said she had rehearsed for the show and she was ready. But then she runs into fucking Justin Timberlake backstage and has a panic attack. And that's why we see her kind of disoriented on the stage. And she's even said, she's like, it was not a good performance um, because she was actively in a panic attack while she was trying to perform that song. Um, And yeah, it was just sad. And she said then people started, you know, saying she was an unfit mother. She was a train wreck. Sarah Silverman made a joke about her children saying, like, they're the cutest mistakes she'll ever make. Um, oh my gosh which is really gross while she's like backstage um and then she talks about this kind of bathroom breakdown where and she doesn't give us enough details here either but she has one of the boys with her and she like will not come out of the bathroom this is again they this is when they take her to the hospital and they 5150 her because she's they Mm. say that she's like barricading herself in the bathroom we don't get enough detail there on like how she was feeling why she like probably because she's being hunted by people but she didn't go into enough detail there in my opinion i would have liked more but i'll take what i can get um but she truly had no support at this time like she's just spiraling um where did fee go fee falls off the map memory (laughs) we don't know where she went um yeah, in the documentary I'm remembering, and maybe she mentioned it in here, is that Jamie, um, when the conservator starts, I think is when Fee kind of poofs um, because Jamie Jamie wants all the control her dad um, and says, mm. like, Brittany won't see you anymore. And that's not true. She says, like, that's not true. Like, ask I would love to, to see bring Felicia. her onto um, her team. And her dad says no. But then her dad is telling Fee, like, she doesn't like you. She doesn't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, so she then she's just like, oh, okay, fine. Like, and then, oh, yeah. That's so gross. I know. So from there, she, um, we kind of are getting into the bit of the conservatorship years and like how it's starting and how it starts is wild. Um, so she dates a photographer, which was interesting. Like she dates like a paparazzi guy. I'm like, interesting choice. Um, who kind of encourages her to like be rebellious. So at this time she's like making a scene in restaurants and she's just being koopy bananas. Um, and she's just like, not really like just behaving well in public, but she's like, I feel free at this time. Um, and her mom is like starting starting to get worried about her lynn yeah right you're not really worried about her but she like asked her she her mom asked her to come over to their house and they essentially ambush her like Brittany kind of talking to the photographer she's like does this feel weird to you and he's like yeah something feels weird um they ambush her and take her to the hospital and this is when they literally like, put her on a gurney against her will and just like strap her a gurney and send her off um which is insane. There's also pictures of that that I cannot believe came out because there was like helicopters swirling above. She basically told Brittany like, the cops are out to get you. And Brittany's like, I didn't do anything illegal. Um, so very weird. That story is a little bit fuzzy, but I couldn't imagine it being very clear to her as she's like strapped to a gurney going yeah. through like a very traumatic experience. So this is where Lou Taylor enters the picture who I like, she is 
the other mastermind behind the conservatorship. It's Jamie, her dad, and Lou Taylor. So Lou Taylor pretty much starts TriStar, which is like her um, talent agency, like her management company, off of Britney's back, like Britney's name pretty much. Um, and they set up the conservatorship. She gets a new assistant named Robin Green. And Robin is the one who you'll see in the documentaries basically like speaks for Britney. Like, so they have to whisper in Robin's ear what she's going to do. Then she whispers to Brittany, like, here's what you say. Like, she pretty much, like, was, like, her talking piece. Like, she really wasn't allowed to say or do anything. Um, she mm-hmm. controlled, like, what she ate, what she wore, who she saw. It is wild. Um, but I think the craziest part of when all the conservatorship stuff happens is her dad, which I <laughs> marked down what he says to her. Um, and he essentially like the conservator piece is he gets conservatorship of the person and the estate so the person he controls like medical decisions he controls all of those things about her any like dating partner she has they like have them submit like a blood test sign an nda what um what's the blood test for i don't know what the blood test is they talk about like her sexual history with um with all of her, like, these guys she goes on dates with. But she she describes the, the conservatorship. So she says, conservatorships are also called guardianships and are usually reserved for people with no mental capacity, people who can't do anything for themselves. But I was highly functional. I had just done the best album of my career. I was making a lot of people a lot of money, especially my father who found out, who I found out, took a bigger salary than he paid me. He paid himself more than $6 million while paying others close to him tens of millions more. Um... And I think that is absolutely wild. Um, But the kind of the darker part is she's talking about like they're at their house and Brittany is a humble queen and still keeps all of her receipts so she can give them to her for her taxes. She like keeps a little bowl on her table of her receipts. And she's talking about, she says, not anymore. My dad shoved aside my bowl of receipts, setting up his things on the bar. I'm just here to let, he says, I just want to let you know. And he said, I call the shots. You sit right there in that chair and I'll tell you what goes on. I look at him with a growing sense of horror. He says, I'm Britney Spears now. Dark. Yes. Creepy. Yeah. That is Um, some sort of like. And that's Creepy like another thing that gets like, like super murky is like she never really makes it clear about like at what points she's like not talking to her dad. And then all of a sudden when her dad all of a sudden comes back in, because it's like it, it, it was like yeah. we're hearing all this about her life. And then all of a sudden she's just like, oh, my dad. But it's like, wait a minute. I thought like you weren't talking to your dad. Your parents were together. So like he just all of a sudden appears. I mean, I'm assuming that's not so like, you know. Yeah and how it actually really went. I don't think he just all of a sudden showed up one day, but that's like another thing, like with her writing, it's just all of a sudden it's like, yeah. And then my dad, and you're just like, wait, what? Cause I don't like, there was that one point where she says, yeah. So then um, my dad and three men come in my, they're knocking on my door and they come in my house and they start asking me a bunch of questions. Next yes. paragraph moves on. And you're like, wait a minute. What were the questions? Who are the men? Yeah. How did your dad get there? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we. It's like such a good point. The dad does come in and out, and we're like, "Wait, what's going on?" Like, there's we just miss some context around around these kind of key pieces. Um, she goes on to talk about. Let me see in here. Um, she ends up talking about getting her her kids back and be able to hold them again when they fall asleep next to me. That uh, that first night we had back together, I felt my whole life like the best in my whole life. Um, but she talks about here just like, which is wild, just how many people that she was like keeping afloat um she said 
she says I could she did everything she could to appease Kevin. I paid his legal bills plus child support plus thousands uh more a month to see the so the kids could come along with me on the circus tour. Within the same short amount of time, I appeared on Good Morning America. I did the Christmas tree lighting in Los Angeles, shot a segment for Ellen, and toured throughout Europe and Australia. But again, the question was nagging me. If I was so sick that I couldn't make my own decisions, why do they think it was fine for me to be out there smiling and waving and singing and dancing for in a million time zones a week? I'll tell you one good reason. The circus tour grossed more than $130 million. Lou Taylor's company, Whoa. TriStar, got 5%. So she's just like Blue Taylor's oh is double gosh. dipping the whole time. Like, yeah, she's like forcing her to perform while she's like getting a cut of all the action, and her dad's making a shit ton of money. Brittany is making no money. Like she talks about in here um, that she has an allowance of two thousand dollars a week, which is wild considering just like how much money she was making at this time. She's making like um, she's doing all the Vegas shows. So she's doing. She sold two hundred and forty eight shows. Sold nine hundred thousand tickets um and each shows pays a hundred like hundreds of thousands of dollars and all she gets is two thousand dollars she talks about a time where she um she like wants to pick up a bill and it's like a thousand dollars and like her card gets declined like oh my gosh like not allowed to touch her own money um for reference that's like a hundred and five thousand dollars a year yeah she's just it's it's insane but everybody else is making so much money off of of her but now you're bringing up in spears yeah, exactly. That's like not. And so she just, I think the boys, one is 17 now, one's 18. So she's like almost done paying child support to Kevin Federline. But this whole time she's also been paying him. Um, but just wild. Um, also more about the Vegas shows. Crazy. She gets no creative control. She's not allowed to change a dance move. She's not allowed to say like, can we remix my songs? Because she's getting kind of bored here of like, she didn't want to be recording new music because she felt like she had lost her passion. So she liked the idea of the residency, but then when she got into it, it was like a completely different story than what she was kind of sold. Um, she like, I don't know, she had a weird, she couldn't really interact with the fans. It was just like a very like limited experience where she was kind of, for years, just kind of seen as like, this like dance monkey, like in front of all these people and make us all this money, but you really have yeah. no life. Um, and that was crazy sad. Um, something that she does say that was like, I think a very small part of the book, but I was like, oh, during this time in Vegas where she's just like working nonstop, she says she also taught dance classes to little kids and that just made her so happy. And yeah. I'm like, that came out of nowhere. She all just, of was just like, oh yeah, what? I teach these dance classes once a month, but she told this story about how she accidentally hit a little girl and how she got on her knees and was like, just like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And like, pull it. Well, it was either like a bracelet or a ring off. And was like, here, take this. Like, I'm so sorry. And the little girl was like, yeah, it's it fine, Miss Brittany. Like, I'm okay. And that's like kind of, I think, a moment for her when she, because she writes like, this little girl had like more care for me than like my own family did. I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can we find <laughs> the little girl? Like, where's she now? I just like, I'm like, if Brittany wasn't doing these Vegas residencies and she was just out there dancing, like teaching dance classes to little kids, I think she would have had such a happy life um, mm. and not just being worked to the bone and, and making everybody else a lot of money. Um, something in here that was weird, too, is she talks about how she starts dating a TV producer who starts giving her over the counter energy pills. And that the energy pills. They send her to rehab because she's on energy pills. For the energy pills. Yes. Like over the counter, like supplements, like that anybody could buy. Um, they kind I mean, of. I'm any... just like super curious. Did she drop a name? Like I need to know. No, she, she just doesn't say what it counter. is. She okay, doesn't say what it is. There's some crazy over the counter things. I'm just saying. Yes, but like 
to send you to rehab. She had to go to like yeah. AA meetings. Yeah. She no, was girl, like, girl, I know people who end up in rehab because of Benadryl. So like, I don't put it past them. It's a I wild don't. time out there. I've taken too many substance abuse classes. It's wild. It seems a little crazy to go for a month for a couple of over-the-counter energy pills um, because she was being worked to the freaking bone. Yeah. So she needed something to like keep her going. She wasn't allowed to like have anything. Yeah, obviously um, they didn't target the actual issue. No. <laughs> Um, but she also talks about in here, which is fascinating to me. She talks about her drug of choice being Adderall and that she never did any hard drugs, which I find interesting. And like, I'm sure she did some cocaine with, with, uh, Paris Hilton at some point, but she talks about being kind of addicted to Adderall. It's like, which maybe. Is, that makes sense to me, which again, yeah. back to the, like, back to the substance use of the caffeine or the energy pills, like that, the same, if you don't have ADHD, that's what Adderall is for you. So like, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so more about the conservatorship. I mean, everything is, is tracked. She has people keeping track of when she goes to the bathroom. Um, the th- craziest thing, well, one of the crazier things is that for some reason she is only allowed to eat chicken and canned vegetables for like years. My dad said That's just weird. Not like fresh vegetables. Yeah, the canned vegetables, canned vegetables got me. Like you can't even have like a grilled asparagus. But yeah, her dad was like really strict about her diet. Yeah, a green saying bean. That she couldn't be fat and that she had to look a certain way. And again, this is after two children. But <laughs> and like, she's like, why are we worried about the canned vegetables of it all? Was that just to like really be able to measure portion control or something? He probably like, didn't want her I to have any know. flavor. Like she couldn't <laughs> even have a little, little salt. Ugh. No. So she's working her ass off in Vegas, and she's getting over it. But she's promised, like, hey, after this, you can go to Maui, because she loves Maui. You can go to Maui with the boys on vacation. And she's told she gets the whole summer. Of course, she's always sold a false bill of goods here. They actually say, you know, we actually need to tour again. So you can take the kids for three weeks, and then you got to start a new tour in Vegas. And she's, again, like, I don't want to perform the same songs, the same remix. Like, there's just no... there's. There's, it's like she says it's like Groundhog Day for 13 years where she's just like, I don't want to mm. do this anymore, um, mm. which is which is wild. So I don't know if you all have seen the video. It's in the documentary, but it's I think it's called like the Domination Tour or whatever in Vegas. It was going to be another residency. And they do this huge announcement. Mario Lopez is there as the like host to announce this like big thing. And they say like the new queen of Vegas, like. Britney Spears and she comes down she like walks down she doesn't stop with the camera she just walks this huge production just walks straight through is over it and gets in the car and leaves and it's just like so so many people for so many years were like what the hell happened like she just walked past the cameras (laughs) past Mario doesn't answer a question that's amazing um but that's kind of like in protest she just doesn't want to do it um but again Fair. she says a few times like i did it all for my kids like that's why i put up with all this bullshit for so many years um gets in the car and leaves um and again they later they later find more energy supplements in her purse and use it as a reason to like send her to like some more treatment um which is that's well i said her this is like the crazy treatment where she's there for three months and it's very intense and kind of at the end of the three months is this nurse says like shows her some clips of people protesting like they've got their free britney shirts on um and she yeah this is and this is also the time that she and she doesn't give us a ton of information this is the time that they put her on lithium and that's when she does say like she just felt like like her brain was slow she just didn't feel like her normal self like she just Hmm. 
did not she lithium she says really jacked her up pretty much um but hmm. she sees people like supporting her publicly and chanting like free britney and you know people actually being curious as to like what is going on with her because this was the time we were getting and we, I mean, we still get these from britney on instagram like post something and delete it like something really cryptic and delete it mm-hmm. um and i mean there's so many rumors now on like is it her is it really her or is this like an ai is this like a decoy like there's still a lot of conspiracies there on like is she really free um true which is interesting but because of kind of the public outcry she was like well you know people can't ignore me now and so she ends up coming home um and the craziest part is when she comes home like jamie lynn who we haven't really talked about too much about jamie lynn's like hey girl how are you like it's just acting like none of this has happened (laughs) how's it going and this is when jamie is I was going to say, when is this in Jamie Lynn's life? Is she on Zoe 101? Is she... This is post-Zoe. This is when she's okay. doing like all these Netflix... Like, some of these Netflix shows. Um, she was on, like... I forget what the miniseries was. But she was on some miniseries. Um, and doing, mm. I think, like, the Zoe Not 101, me. like, reunion. Who watched that? Um, oh. So, like, recently uh, she's talking about this. Yeah. This is recent. Because, I mean, she really just... She really just, like, Again, got back free. Back to the timeline like, of it. Like, who yeah. knows anymore? Like, what where we're at. I know. So eventually, you know, she works, but she's still like, she's still in the conservator at this time, conservatorship at this time. I shouldn't say she's free yet. Um, and she actually works up the nerve and the confidence to call 911 and report like her father as, you know, conservatorship abuse. And she speaks to the court like three days later or so. And Irma, I should, I should also say this. She was never allowed to have her own lawyer in any of this. She had no idea if she could appoint her own lawyer. She was not getting any good legal advice. So again, she'd been in conservatorship for 13 years. This is the first time that she is allowed to speak. Um, and I remember like listening to this on my phone when she was speaking, like it was public. Um, and she basically said like, she says, like, I lied. Like, I'm, I lied to the public. I'm not okay. Like, I've been bullied. I've been put on drugs against my will. I've had my children taken care, like, away from me. Um, and she just kind of, like, lays it all out there. And the most important thing that she, like, really nails home is, like, the conservatorship is for people who cannot, like, they can't function. And she's out here selling out arenas, like, out here making everybody else money. Like, she can clear, like, she can, I mean, the dancing on Instagram is one thing. But the girl can dance. The girl can sing. The girl can do a lot of things. She's not, like, down and out and can't speak or do anything. Um, And so she eventually, like, through all of that a few days later, her new lawyer, Matthew, he's always on her side. He's still fighting for her. He's he calls her. She's on vacation, like Tahiti or something, and is like, "You're free. You're not in the conservatorship anymore," um, which is wild. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, she said she found out, or she had heard from like the media before she even like got the call from him that that she was free. Um, but she has this kind of like pretty intense quote where she says, "I made peace with my family, and by which I mean uh, I realized I never wanted to see them again." And I'm so upset with that. <laughs> yeah, she does talk okay. about during COVID. And I don't she blame her. was like reaching out to them. I don't blame her. I think, you know, COVID, we're all only like, she mm-hmm. had been locked in her house for so long. And then now she's just locked in her house even more. And I think at that point, she, like, they were in Louisiana. So, like, the rules weren't as strict. And so she was seeing them yeah. do all this stuff. So then she went out there and then she just kind of realized, like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't need y'all. And that, like, I think 
I think something interesting too is, I mean, one, Jamie, Jamie Lynn certainly knew what was going on and was, it was somehow benefiting. I'm sure we'll find out. Um, so again, they are still in legal like battles about like how much money did they really take from her? Like mm-hmm. they're doing kind of like financial forensics. So we're finding out, but Certainly so many people knew about this. And I also get upset that like, you know, she talks about Paris Hilton here being like the kindest person to her ever. And her like has always been like her ride or die. But I'm like, Paris knew the shit was so many celebrities now are having like these stories where they're like, I remember talking to her and Robin was there and it was very weird. Like, you know, she could never speak for herself. She was, you know, always, you know, NDAs everywhere. And she really wasn't, didn't seem like she could really speak for herself. And I'm like, no one, no one ever said anything. Like, why didn't anyone do anything? You know? I know. They're like, Brittany's okay. I'm like, she's not. She's clearly not. Um, And she talks about, which I think is important to mention, she does talk about the Instagram dancing. Um, And she talks about it as, you know, so many people, like, shoved cameras in her face and told her to be sexy and told her to do this, that, and the other thing. And this is, like, her reclaiming that. Like, she can dance how she wants to on Instagram. The spinning with the knives is concerning to me. But um, (sighs) this is, like, her kind of reclaiming that. So go on yeah, for the most part. Wow. All right then. <laughs> so that's the book. Like, is that the full summary? <sighs> Pretty much. What I miss, Sydney. Wow. So did someone explain to me so like the title does she really the ever book, say like why she writes the book? What I or like is what the title you, of when the you're book reading is it, about? There's this like, like the woman in me. Like what is she trying to get at here? Of, like she. I'm trying to figure out how to like explain it, but basically. It's like she wants to be this adult and she wants to go do these things. But then also at the same time, because of all this trauma, she's like she like gets inward and like becomes like a child. And she talks about how like whenever she goes through something difficult, she turns into a child. And so it's like this constant pull. Yeah, she yeah, she refers to that. It's like yes. this constant pull of like, I want to be free. I want to be this independent woman. Mm, I want to be yeah, strong she talks and about like Benjamin Button and mature and sexy yeah. and free. But then I just at the same time have like to heal my inner child. And so she doesn't know how to mature and grow because she's like stuck in the age that she was when all this trauma happened to her. Yeah. Yes. It's also a lyric from, you know, one of her amazing songs. Um, It's from, I'm not a, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. She talks about trying to find the woman in her. Um, And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Sydney. She talks about like, she talks about Benjamin Button twice in this book where she's like, as I was growing up, I felt like I was like maturity wise, very young. And she kind of talks about that. I think originally when she's talking about her childhood and when Brian, or maybe it's when Jamie Lynn is born, she says like, you know, Jamie's Lynn's a baby. And so I started acting like a baby. Like there's, again, there are pieces of this book that I'm like, can you just give us a little bit more? It's like what you're trying to get at with that is kind of how I felt. Um, but yeah. She also kind of laughs about like I like that she does laugh at herself a little bit in this book on the last page. And if you follow her on Instagram, you know if you know, you know. Um, she writes, if you follow me on Instagram, you thought this book was probably gonna be written in emojis, didn't you? Thank you to the team who worked so hard to help me bring my memoir into this world, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, when she said she was coming out with a book, I was like, I hope she has a ghostwriter because her captions on Instagram are like a run on sentence with like 20 emojis in the middle of them. Um, But it felt to me like reading a diary Hmm. where she hasn't quite processed everything. And I don't think she will for Hmm. a long time. Um, Because part of some, like part of memoirs for me, um, and I consume a lot of celebrity memoirs. 
I love them. They are my favorite. Highly recommend Jessica Simpson's if you haven't read it. That's a great one to get you started into your memoirs. Britney Spears, this one is good too. Um, but part of memoirs are like a little bit of and I think Brittany, I think maybe volume two will get this, but part of it is a little bit more like accountability, giving us a little bit of like how you feel now about it um, or taking accountability for some things that happened to you. So Jessica Simpson does a great job of this. Like in her first, probably uh, Serena has read that one, um, probably in the first like 15 pages or so, she kind of talks about like, kind of, she definitely talks about like that she's an alcoholic. She like opens up talking about right. like, I have a glitter cup. I fill it with booze. And <laughs> diet coke and i drive my kids to school like she gets like very down and dirty and very intense and like owns a lot of things now i don't think miss Brittany is there yet i think britney's got plenty of time to like think about this stuff i think there's more stuff that she can talk about um Mm -hmm. and maybe maybe owning a little bit of it and i'm not saying that she's playing the victim because she certainly is a victim of a lot of abuse and a lot of just like neglect but I just like want a little bit more and I don't know how else to say it. I just want a little bit more. <laughs> and again, I haven't read it. So really my opinion on this is almost nothing. But as you guys are talking, the thing that I keep thinking about is like, she can't own up to anything or she can't talk through anything because she hasn't processed any of this trauma. Exactly. Like one yeah. of the biggest symptoms of a lot of trauma that's like unprocessed is actually timeline issues. It is mm-hmm. not being able to place where it is in someone's life. Like um, when we get a client like to do an intake and they walk into my office and they have a lot of trauma in their background, like they sound exactly the way that she sounds in this book, the way you're talking about yeah. it, where like, they'll be like, Hey, this happened. And I'll be like, so were you 12 or like 25? Like, what are you, how old were you? And like a lot of times people can't tell you when you have that much chronic trauma, timelines yeah. are out the window. And so it's actually makes a lot of sense to me that her, her book is like this. And then on top of that, if she's not That's friends true. with anybody in her family, she doesn't speak to them. Who exactly is she fact-checking it with? Like, there's no one to fact-check the trauma with and the timelines. Yeah. It does feel like like a trauma diary, which, like, she has been through it. And I think we were – Yeah, like, I think we're all just happy to see her on the other side. And so when I see her dancing on Instagram, I'm just like, you go, queen. Do what you got to do. Right. Um, And I do hope that she – and I'm sure she is. Well, maybe not. But I hope she's in therapy now to, like, go through these things and to talk about them. I hope so. And, yeah, I just am happy that she seems to have found her voice a little bit. And I think it's, like – I think we have more to see from her. And do I think that we're going to get the, like, 1998, 2000s Britney who's, like, got to stay around her neck at the VMAs? No, I don't. Um, but do I think we're going to get like a, a, a more healed version of her and her adulthood yeah. and like maybe have some self-reflection one day? Yeah. And I hope we get a documentary from her. <laughs> like, I hope we get that <laughs> one day. Um, or another book or just like more. And I just don't think, cause she, she talks about, or she has talked about before, I think on her Instagram where she was like, you know, she has offers from everybody to do a big sit down interview. Oprah, like she could do whatever she wanted, mm-hmm. but she didn't want to do that. She wanted to do a book. She wanted, this is how the the medium that she wanted to express herself in um and one where that it wasn't gonna you know she's in charge of the editing she's in charge of all of that so she gets control um, back she has finally some control and so yeah i i of course have critiques because it's me but like overall a good read and i do i think you should read it yeah i spent like even if you aren't a britney spears fan i think you could definitely have empathy for her i think you can have empathy as you know 
we were young we were young in the early 2000s and so many of this mm-hmm. was during our formative years when people were calling her like you know fat and a train wreck and all same thing in jessica simpson's book she talks about that like right being called fat when she's a size four and it was a bad angle of her and just like that was again all of our formative years with like diet culture again like truly how did we even survive the 2000s like reading these memoirs like listening people talk like i remember being 10 or 12 and being like oh britney spears shaved her head she's crazy like thinking those things because that's what i was being fed and like yeah we're being like taught that as girls and then like now we're like these grown adult women being like what in the world did the like what did the world show us back then it's wild. I, just, I, I can't believe it took like a documentary in like 2020 crazy. or 2021 for us to be like wow she had postpartum depression it's it's so sad but so true it well i think uh-huh. something i think about a lot is when we were kids though like we see them as adults and we mm-hmm. just like can't we don't have the ability to think like that. And so yeah. we're just like, wow, she's crazy because she's an adult woman going through this. Now I'm older than she was at that time. And I'm like, oh, that little baby. Like, she needs Oh, I just, like, when Sydney was talking about, like, I could not have a child back to back. Like, I've had a, it's been a year and I can't do it. She was like 24, 25 when she was, like, married, going through divorce, pregnant having like has a newborn kids taken away. it's just when you put it into context you're like how i think any normal human being would have had an absolute right. breakdown because she's breakdown. a human being um exactly. but then for it just to turn and be the conservatorship where she was just like absolutely just working for other people not okay never got to express herself creatively and that's sad to me because she is such a creative individual like didn't get to use her art in the way that she wanted to yeah and i remember being like oh i wish that i would have seen her in vegas and i thought about it and i was like no i don't because she was not my money would have gone place. to wrong people yeah not in a good place and wasn't happy to be doing what she yeah. is so good at doing but i've been like i don't know my my for you page was like all like you know her vma performances and i'm like i love them so much um yeah i want to hear sydney like just the initial thoughts like ending thoughts on the book are you i really went into it with no expectations like did it live up to your expectations i will say like i kind of was saying in the beginning it it really is it, it is really well written as in a sense from like her voice like i'm like this i don't know britney personally but i'm like this is what i imagine having a conversation with her is like like very short sentences, mm-hmm. very short paragraphs, just says something and then moves on. And then just, mm. yeah. I was just saying that like, um, like it's just, I feel Sorry, like how feel having so a conversation again. like would be like, I feel again. like she would just say really short random stuff and then would just like turn around and walk away and move on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I feel like you can't compare it necessarily, and I shouldn't compare it to other memoirs. But, like, uh, I recently read Spare, right? So that's Harry, Prince mm. Harry. So mm-hmm. Prin- whoever was Prince Harry's ghostwriter, I mean, that book is, like, beautifully written. I mean, there's some crazy shit in there. But it is beautifully written. Mm-hmm. And you just can't compare, like, that type of memoir to Britney. And I do think this is, like, like you're saying, raw. This is how she would talk to, like, how it seems like she would talk. Even in interviews, this is kind of how she talks. Where she's like, da 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 And next thing. Um, and, like, just keeps moving. And, and I think, honestly, Serena, it's a really interesting insight of, like, like traumatic people who Mm -hmm. go through traumatic things that they struggle with the timeline it makes this book make like make more sense to me as to like why um and i do kind of like that i do like that it has that feeling like if it was written the way that prince harry's was it wouldn't feel like britney was part of this at all um Mm. and she really feels like she was 
this is this was her uh hmm. her project that she wanted there's all of these kind of rumors too so she had teased and she has it on the last page of her book like when she talks about like you would have thought this was written in emojis it's all roses and she's talked about like project rose and like my book the one from amazon like if you take the jacket off Ooh, yeah has i have the kindle so um, no. but other that. books don't have a rose so people are like is this project <laughs> rose is she coming out with something else that's project rose we don't know oh my gosh easter eggs Easter wow. eggs. First, yeah no roses on the front of the cover no roses on the cover sydney are I you still a justin timberlake fan like his old stuff currently now <laughs> no when he had that whole debacle with that co-star where he was holding hands with that girl, like, no. Also, him and his wife made the most cringiest video, like, recently on, like, National Nanny Day. And they were like, thank you to all the nannies out there. And I was like, <laughs> oh, gosh. Cringe. <laughs> so, no, not currently. But, like, I mean, am I going to throw it back to Sexy Back? Absolutely. Oh my <laughs> Out of touch. <laughs> Wow. I could go on for an hour about Justin Timberlake, but I won't. <laughs> That's allowed. Um, I think we can all feel that way. Justin Timberlake is so fascinating to me because I think he probably could have been canceled a million times. I mean, the Janet Jackson of it all, she was barred from ever performing at the Super Bowl mm-hmm. again after um, the wardrobe malfunction. He mm-hmm. performed, he headlined it like not that many years ago. Um, I mean, everything he's gotten away with a lot. He's gotten a lot away with a lot. Um, also, everyone, you know, people are saying the recent like NSYNC reunion, like on the VMAs or whatever, mm-hmm. the Trolls movie. They're like that was PR because he knew Britney's book was coming out, and there was a bunch of shit that was gonna, you know, be exposed. So he was already kind of trying to rehab his image before it came out. Um, and Britney released a statement on Instagram and said, like, my book is to not like, like, you're missing the point if you're only focusing on Justin here. Like, that is Fair. one blip that has happened to me and one tra- like traumatic thing has happened to me. But there's so much more in here to talk about than, than Justin. Mm-hmm. And that she's not trying to like, you know, defame anybody or anything. Like, this is her time to shine. Her and again, it's her story. And it's not he Justin. He just happens so. to be in it. Like, yeah. but it's her story. <laughs> yes. And I, again, I think she's actually very, res- like, she says this is her experience um but she doesn't i don't know he did her so dirty but like, she is respectful throughout the whole thing to him. i'm almost annoyed by that like i'm like Brittany, stop being nice to him like- so the the funny part is too like so she she like kind of just drops again a sprinkle she just drops in there that she like met sam who was her most recent husband mm-hmm. she like just there's like very little about him she's like we got married it was great what like give us more about the wedding um but she just doesn't talk about any other man the way that she talks about justin in this um she like it it was really at the time when she wrote this i feel like the whole middle part was about justin and it was just how much she loved him even after they broke up it's very interesting how much she's so i don't want to say like respect but how she was grateful that he like talked about her and i Mm i was like girl i'm like let's talk some shit (laughs) yeah yeah you are allowed to do that completely and she she like the the littlest bit of it where she talks about him and christina aguilera mm-hmm. doing this like cover of some magazine and she was like how and can she they really do this talk they're like christina making sexy eyes at each other and i'm sitting home devastated in like louisiana and like that's it i'm like what give us more like we want more and we wanted more christina t she didn't give us very much um at all which was no um which was interesting but 
yeah, I want I want more. So in whatever form that is that Britney releases, um, she does talk about too like her recent stuff where she you know had her song with Elton John. Um, yeah, because she does tiny dancer like which towards was, the like, end. Cute. And I hope she does some more collabs. She doesn't only want to focus on love music right her. now. She wants to just focus um, on and if like that's the capacity she can do back. it in. Great, like great. So if we can get her. I don't think we're getting music anytime soon, but I would want more from a documentary like I would love for yeah. her to do a documentary because she does talk about how she was a yeah. little annoyed about all these documentaries and all these people that knew her came out and were One speaking day. in them but they didn't ask her if they could and she was kind of like hey mm-hmm. like if I if so, I, I was asked to do a documentary but my friend I'd call that them up and say hey do you mind if I do this and no one called yeah. and asked her mm-hmm. fair point fair point but my thing is is like were they ever like this was still when she was in the conservatorships. Like, that, did they have her phone number? Was Felicia allowed to call her? Like, Good point. could Felicia get a message to her? That's mm-hmm. my thing. And I think that's why we haven't seen, like, Paris Hilton in a documentary. Because she's like, I will never, you know, do anything without Bernie's permission. I don't think she, like, really had much contact with her for a while. Um, there's other pieces that Brittany I wanted to talk about more. She had a reality show that I used to, like, sneak and watch at night called, like, Chaotic with Kevin and Brittany. And it was, like just it was just a weird little reality show on like mtv like she had all of these tv specials that i was like what's going on um so i know she has like the footage i know she has like all the stuff to do an amazing Mm. documentary she still talks lovely about Um, them like she doesn't talk and i want her kids to be on it although like her boys are a little ungrateful shits to her um and they need to read this book to understand what their mother has been doing um they just kind of like oh my gosh this book, bo- this book is dedicated to her sons because she loves them so much. Like she, Aww. it loves them, and they're like embarrassed of her. And I'm like, no. So, just makes me sad. How old are they now? Like seventeen and eighteen, or maybe right, they're let's both eighteen. Give them a at this little point. bit of a break. Let's give them a little break. I know. Well, and see, they've only they been fed information with Kevin from their line as a father. Yeah. Away from and... their mother. Like. Do... No, you're being you're being and Jamie and Jamie Spears, her dad, like. <laughs> Heavily, being a mother i'm sure heavily influenced a lot of it Those so i'm together. hoping that we get so do you really think they have like critical around. thinking skills at the age of 17 you're being rational <laughs> you know some a really a really they do a really good documentary of like someone who she like semi reminds me of is if you haven't watched the pamela anderson documentary that her sons produced and made like with her they love her so much and i mean there's like a sex tape of their parents and they're like we love our mom so much and all that she's doing like (laughs) they are like they are proud of her no matter what shit she did in her like youth or whatever um it was an unauthorized sex tape so like come on but I don't know. I just hope they come they come around the way that her sons have, where they're so supportive and, and proud of her no matter what. So um, I'm hoping that for her. But yeah, mm-hmm. a good memoir. Yeah. I think you should read it. I That's think a wrap it's, for me. it's good and it is in Britney's voice. Just don't compare it to Prince Harry's because <laughs> you'll be disappointed. But it's good. Amazing. I love it. Any last thoughts? Any last words, ladies? Did we do it? We did it. Thank you for having for me. me. Although um, I really should say thank you yeah, for Yeah, thanks gamers for listening. We made it to the end. We love you. We love you. We also thank you so much, Sydney, for joining us on yes. this chaotic, <laughs> lovely podcast. I'd love to. <laughs> well, you're you're welcome anytime. If you're keeping mm-hmm. up with The Bachelor, you should definitely do an episode with us. Um, amazing. That's always fun too. Yes. Well, you know, campers, I think that's it. Let's see if we ever do another celebrity memoir. We'll figure it out. Let us know. We'll see. Bye, campers. Bye, campers.